Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright. And hey, you guys, did you know the Helicarrier was still in this picture? (laughs) We might have forgotten. That's right. We are talking about Minute 115, which begins with Fury watching the news and ends with Tony praising Hawkeye. Back on the show from a few weeks ago, we have film critic Ewan Graff from the Quiet on Set podcast. Hello, Ewan. Hi. I've since retired as a film critic, and I am now a <laughs> specialist for the different type of arrows that Hawkeye shoots blindly <laughs> oh, at Chitauri. Outstanding. We need so, that. That's exactly yes. the expertise we call upon. Exactly. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, Since we did have you for four minutes a few weeks back, um, this was just kind of a stray one. Was there a particular reason you picked this one? Was it Hawkeye on the building or what was it? It is Hawkeye on the building because I feel like it's both iconic, but also miserable to see (laughs) that. Uh, But I like the scene a lot uh, for that reason, just because I feel like, uh, you know, the the sky is blue, but the green screen is also very green and I can see it in that (laughs) shot quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're just like no one will notice. No one will really no. notice, right? It's uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a, an issue with it. You can kind of see it on his hair. Before we get to that, though, because um, w- I definitely want to talk about Hawkeye and his position and, and the way that they're uh, utilizing him as a team member. Let's just say. Mm. Uh, but let's uh, we're in the helicarrier, which, as Pete pointed out, is actually still in the movie. We might have forgotten about that. Um, this is a moment we we saw at the uh, end of the last minute where Fury is watching some news feeds on his screens here. We see uh, a number of screens pop up um, just reading through them. We see live CNN newsroom breaking news battle against extraterrestrials rages in New York streets. On 21 WHIH broadcast news feed interception, attack on New York, hundreds confirmed dead, devastating New York City. On CT news, attack on New York, hundreds wounded from possible alien attack, hundreds confirmed dead. And um, yeah, and then there's a few others in there. We see some reporters reporting. And behind this, it's important to note, Fury is still making sure they are diagnosing the helicarrier, trying to get it working. We do see operating systems diagnostics actually running back there. So, um, Plus, there's a news reporter who says something like, a military aircraft of some kind landed at the end of Park Avenue Viaduct. That's, of course, the Quinjet that crashed. Uh, so... Nick Fury watching the news, getting a sense of things. Um, you know, we didn't get a chance to ever talk about any of the stuff going on with the helicarrier with you, Ewan. But I mean, what do you think of of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury? Do you like uh, him in this role? Yes, no one can say anything bad about this man. Uh, <laughs> I would be blasphemous. <laughs> he's, he's great, yeah. and he's 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 a great casting choice. And I like him in the early movies a bit more. I don't know where they're going with him at the moment. Uh, but he, he, he's simple. He's the guy who, uh, unites them all together and he's got an eye patch and that looks cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a man you know, of simple pleasures. You could wear an eye patch if you wanted to. You don't need an excuse to wear I an mean, eye patch. I mean, he's got an eye patch, but also he's got a lot of scars there. You're and, right. You do need an um, excuse for the scars. I do need a backstory and I do have the cat to actually make that work. They're not as, yeah, they're not as alien, I guess, but, uh, you know. I like that you went there. Though. One day. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's I, just, I just like the idea that Fury is 
so, like there's there's something about this setup. Like I know, it, like I know you're going to say, you know, he's he's overseeing repairs of the helicarrier, but there is something so just delicious about the fact that Fury is in the helicarrier and he's just watching the news, like that. Like, don't you think he'd be able to have maybe more information than the news would would be offering? He's, I, of course, of course, no, he's got to know what the public opinion is. Sure, sure, he does, but still, it's Fury watching the news and there's something really awesome about that not only that there is this element that i can't let go of where i'm just like he is the person who wanted to put this team together and i just can't help but think like when he saw them all take off earlier you know he he sees them and they go oh they figured out where it was like he gets all excited that they figured out where the tesseract is there is no inkling of a thought that he has of like get me a calm so that i can stay in touch with my team yeah like that's not why is that not a thing that he wants to do it's he's not talking to like he isn't the one who's saying hey i'm watching from above and i know that the chitari can't bank worth a damn (laughs) i i don't it's one of those things that i do like why is it I, i and i know we're watching a film called The Avengers. There is this element where it makes sense, where we want to see the Avengers actually doing their job as superheroes. Right. But there is this element of Nick being the head of the team and the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all this sort of thing, where I kind of just want to have him feel like he's actually leading in some capacity, not just, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be a bystander now and watch the news. Because what we still haven't quite resolved is who the spiritual leader of The Avengers is in Fury's perspective. Because if it's not Fury, who does Fury think it is? Does Fury still think it's Captain America? Does Fury think it's Iron Man? Who does Fury, who's Fury backing as the leader of the Avengers? Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Who is his proxy? Right. I just, it still boggles my mind that no one's in communication. And yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, very strange to me. Especially because they are working together. It does kind of make more sense if someone does step up to take that directive as well as they are working together, I guess. But then it's also, they're kind of thrown together as well. So in a lot of moments, they just kind of reluctantly kind of fight together or like circumstantial to, I guess, hey, there's a big blue beam. (laughs) So we got to do something about it. Uh, So I guess it it does kind of make sense that they are all just like in the heat of the moment, not really thinking things through with communication. But then they got that with the tech from Stark, with the Quinchet to everyone, like for some reason got an earpiece in probably to hear each other or talk to each other at some points. And then they don't sometimes. Uh, I mean, that's just like big movie trope. They do that a lot in a lot of these movies where people are just communicating with each other even if there's loud noises around and they couldn't probably understand each other uh clearly yeah but they should definitely be talking to nick fury yeah i agree right right yeah uh it it wouldn't necessarily matter at this point because as we find out from maria hill who comes up that the council is on um they um, they have called the World Security Council needs to talk with Nick about what's going on, and he doesn't seem too thrilled about this. And, uh, you know, we're going to certainly have some more thoughts about this as we see him in the conversation with them. And certainly when we look at some of the deleted scenes of him, just the idea of like, why are they calling and stuff like that? Like, it's it's interesting to to think about like, you know, um, 
the fact this goes back to the whole Maria Hill story that was cut out, Pete, as far as like why did the Security Council call? Was Maria involved in in letting them know and notifying them so that uh, right so they would touch base? So yeah. Anyway, we don't get that here. We just get uh, him looking a little irritated that now he has to take this call and deal with them. Um, but that then takes us to, uh, we're going to be jumping back into the fray, as it were, and we are up with Hawkeye, up on his perch. Uh, Hawkeye is up at the top of the building across the street, right above the Park Avenue vi- viaduct. He's at 120 Park Avenue. And I, I can't help but think of the beginning of this film when Eric Selvig says, oh, the hawk, he's up in his nest. And it's like, uh, yeah, of course, they're going to drop him into place. And I mean, to a certain extent, this is he's doing exactly what Cap told him to a few minutes ago. He's looking for strays and patterns. That's exactly what happens at the start of this minute. He calls out to Tony, you've got a lot of strays sniffing your tail. And this is where, I, I don't know, I guess, how do you two feel about the way that in this story with these six superheroes, this is what we're going to do with, with Hawkeye. Does this make sense for him? Do you like his usage? It makes sense that he becomes the joke, ultimately, <laughs> of like the joke of Avenger. It's, yeah. it's like this scene that tries to really shoehorn him in as this cool guy who doesn't need to look when he's shooting. And it, it doesn't work. For, I'm, for me, it, it really doesn't work. I feel like I've been betrayed by my Jeremy Renner fandom so many times in this movie because I I like Renner so much. Like, I'm really in the bag, and I'm not a massive, like, early years Hawkeye fan. Like, I just don't have that backstory in, in my kind of headcanon. So what I know of of Hawkeye is the is is the character stuff that we we get of the stuff that i've read in the later comics and so i what i don't know is if this is an appropriate use of hawkeye are they just putting him someplace or does the movie somehow like justify it by this is how hawkeye is used in battles in elsewhere in the comic history like we have some affinity or allegiance to the books I don't know if that's the case. It feels again like kind of a waste of a uh, of waste of a fun character that they just kind of don't know what to do with. I think that's where I end up sitting with it. It's like, okay, we we don't really know what else to do with you. You shoot bows and you shoot arrows with your bow, and so we need to put you in a position where you're far from action, so that you can be shooting at them from a distance because that's what you do when you're an archer. And sure, this whole allusion to Hawkeye, you've got great eyes, you can see what's going on, and the whole thing at the beginning with, oh, he's up in his nest, he likes to see everything that's going on. It's like, okay, we're going to put him in a place where he's watching stuff. I just don't, I mean, to your point, I don't know enough of his comic history to say, oh, this totally fits in with the way that people use him. But based on kind of conversations we've had with past guests, it feels like that's not the case. It really feels like uh, what are what are we doing here? Like some of it, just I I don't know. I just I I'm always questioning like why is this what they end up giving him to do? And I guess it boils down to the fact that we have six different people. We need them each doing something different. And so sure, we'll put him up here, and he can be the eyes and be helping people out. But then I ask myself questions when I see this. It's like he tells Tony, "You can't. They can't bank worth the damn." It's like Tony seems like he's been fighting these Chitari longer than Hawkeye has. It seems like he would already have been the person who figured that out, you know? 
There are NYPD officers on the ground below with handguns who know more information at this point than is being portrayed by our principal characters. And let's just say again, we have yet to see any other reinforcements. Clearly, the only Quinjet that was left on the helicarrier was the one they stole 10 minutes ago because (laughs) there is still no one else but the Archer, the other Avengers, and the police on the ground, right? Am I, did I miss anything in the last 10 minutes? No, the waitress is also still there. The waitress is still there throwing she, plates. Yeah, a double shot yeah. of his espresso. <laughs> espresso. Right. Locked him out right. cold. Short circuit death. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, the whole thing, uh, just, I end up, I don't know, it's it's a, a kind of a frustrating usage of him. And, and as you said, Ewan, the way that they choose to say, this is how cool he is. He can shoot over his shoulder and hit a Chitauri without looking. And that just, I mean, honestly, it just makes me roll my eyes. I'm like, like I, I know people can do cool trick shots with arrows and stuff, but to have him just like raise this thing over his shoulder and just sh- blindly shoot and hit something to make it blow up, it just is like, seriously, like, what do they have, tracking devices on the tips now? Like... Um, that I would have believed it more if that was in there. And it just, I don't know, all of that ends up wreaking just so much of artifice. I mean, the, the framing is also bad. It, it looks like it goes off into the completely wrong direction as well. Like, way more right of it as well. It's just also something with... Like, I would have bought it a bit more if, if it works a bit better in the framing for me, but it, that threw me for another loop. Right. Like it actually looks like it should have hit whatever the, the <laughs> chariot like off screen. Should like, have done a photo <laughs> shot for that one and just like an innocent bystander get ex- gets it exploded. <laughs> I, uh, you guys are just a couple of old men. That's all I have to say about that. My inner child is fully at work and I'm in the bag for Hawkeye. Any, really, any character with exceptional aim is uh is in i'm in their corner uh so deadshot and gambit and hawkeye and all of these characters i love so so much and so he could be shooting uh, like uh, he could be shooting at a straight at a wall but if he if and bank the shot when he banks shots off of stuff and make it hit it's totally unbelievable i know and i still buy every single bit of it because i love i just love people with good aim that's so weird <laughs> Uh, we do, as you said, Ewan, we do get a number of different arrows that we see yes. um, in this minute. We get some explosive arrows, which is what he uses um, at the start of this minute to blow the one up that's behind him. But also, we get to see the thermal arrow, or the incendiary arrow. This is a special arrow that contains a chemical mixture that can melt through a variety of materials, including most metals, when activated, similar to a powerful thermite reaction. And we see him in this minute uh, take aim, shoot at a chariot that's uh, flying past. And, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting angle that he shoots because he's looking kind of toward camera, but his eyes are looking off screen left. He takes the shot. And I guess, I don't know, the, the way that the chariot's flying, it ends up hitting it right at the, I don't know, the stretch between the the front of it and then it splits it melts the whole thing off and it splits it into pieces and kind of goes flying off i mean in the scope of what he does with his arrows what do you two think of this incendiary arrow do i even need to tell you it's so cool i like the flaming hot cheeto arrow the flaming hot the flaming hot cheeto arrow i love it he's got he's got normal (laughs) explosion and flaming hot cheeto (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just the tip of like a Cheeto tip. And I love it. This is great. Oh this is a great moment. There's three moments. Normal air. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the first one explodes as well. Uh, explosion. <laughs> no look. Kind of lame. Bit over the top. This simple execution. He aims. He shoots. He hits, he melts, and then he falls. I love it. It's yeah. great. It's a great little sequence. Arrow cam. Melts and splits the, the chariot in two. And I think that's, that's really great. I love it. I love it so much. I love Hawkeye's arrows <laughs> so much. You can do no wrong. It is fun. It also does uh, just continue the, the devastation in New York. <laughs> as, as you said, it splits it into two. You have the left gunner spin out of control and crash uh, right there into... Uh, Grand Central Terminal, and then the right two-thirds of it um, careens down and crashes into the streets below. And what's great about this shot, though, aside from uh, seeing these guys crash, is we have Tony flying in just at the exact same moment, and then he actually puts on his air brakes, I guess we'll just say, and attacks another chariot that comes through. It's it's really fun. And like in the in the scope of action choreography, I actually think it's kind of cool the way that they connect these scenes. We were talking about this last time with you and Pete about the way that they're blending all the action that each of our heroes is kind of doing together. For sure. This is the meanwhile on the other street corner bit. They're just very good at it. It's very cool. Um, So we get uh, Tony after he blows this one up. He is leading some, as as Clint had just told him, they can't bank worth a damn, and so Tony's trying to put a plan into action. We see him. He go, This is tunnel time. He flies into the Park Avenue tunnel that goes through the Helmsley building, and he comes out the north end of it, and then he flips a Yui. The chariot crashes into 250 Park Avenue, and then Tony flies back south through the West Helmsley walk. He doesn't take the road. He actually takes the pedestrian pass-through and comes back to the base of Stark Tower, and where more chariots crash. So he actually, in the scope of the work that he's doing here, aside from the insane calisthenics that it takes for him to actually do these maneuvers, um, he's actually doing a pretty good job of of uh, destroying more of these um, uh, Chitari and their chariots. Considering my geography with New York has, uh, you know, I've never been there, and so it's really limited to Google Maps and walking through all this. Like, walking through all of this it was actually incredibly gratifying for me to actually really finally understand what was actually happening and like where he was going with all of these scenes. Did you ever, you and have you ever been to New York, New York City? No, never been to New York, no. So watching all of this, you were probably the same as me. You're like, I, you know, I don't know where they are. I just know they're flying through tunnels. Oh yeah, tunnels it's Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Pete, I mean, have you ever been on this viaduct, like cutting through the, the Helmsley building here? Yeah, um, but uh, I don't remember it so messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of years since I've been there, but I, I've definitely been in this area. We've talked about the, uh, like this whole kind of um, this whole geography problem uh, before or the ge- and, and I think they I think they do a good job of it. Uh, it all still seems to make sense i'm glad you did your google maps tour does that make you think i don't need to go to new york anymore that yeah who needs to be there it's just like (laughs) i've seen it all in the movie here like i know where all this is right i'd actually just be disappointed that i didn't see stark tower that it was actually just the uh metlife building uh all right well uh you know so he basically this is just more of this fight that we're getting and this whole point 
of what we're actually seeing here. It's really just to say, this is why Hawkeye's on the team. Yeah. And <laughs> I know, Pete, I love your enthusiasm <laughs> for it. Uh, but I, I roll a little bit uh, with you and about like, meh. But is this as effective as, as you know, he could have been? Right. Could they have done something else with Hawkeye? This is what I want you guys to do right now, then. This is your assignment. Here's your yeah. assignment. If we're going to fix the first Avengers movie, my my hunch is, given all the myriad complaints we have about Hawkeye and Jeremy Renner's casting in this role and making him a bad guy and then making him useless, that really Hawkeye was not the main Avenger they should have cast in this role. So who would you have picked? Who would you have picked to replace Hawkeye in the first Avengers movie? Well, the problem is my comic reading of the Avengers was not very um, heavy. So I, I don't know a lot of other alternatives that they could have thrown in as replacements. Um, I, yeah, I'm just not sure. But I, I mean, my brain goes to characters that I, I believe at one point were, but you have like, you know, Hank Pym, like Ant-Man was, I believe, yeah. one of the original Avengers. Mm -hmm. And the Wasp, like those characters uh, seem like they could have done more like in something like this rather than Hawkeye. Yeah. And Hawkeye, I, my brain always thinks of him more as the West Coast Avengers. And so, um, again, maybe that would have made more sense if they said, let's have this take place in L.A. and then Hawkeye was here. But uh, again, I, I, I don't have as, as deep a comic knowledge. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, you and do you have any other thoughts, at least based on kind of the heroes that you've seen in the MCU thus far? I, uh, yeah, no, that would frame the question a bit differently because I'm like, I'm, <laughs> it's a bit harder to to think of like all of the potential characters that I don't really know. Yeah, uh, right. could be uh, right. Uh, the initial part of, of the the Avengers, but I mean, the first one that comes to mind is maybe Spider Man, but he he's not any at any point like part of this. At least at this point. Yeah. Another person that could be also in New York would be Doctor Strange, but I feel like they don't need someone with those type of powers just yet from what they've set up. Right, right, right. So well, here's the here here's the question. Like, what if you have a character like uh, who who else is is in New York? We know is in New York, and we haven't seen explored very very thoroughly. But but we have the street level Avengers, right? We mm, have the yeah. we have Daredevil. Daredevil, we have, yeah. Uh, who? But how is Daredevil any more useful against the Chitari than Hawkeye? Like who? Because he's put in actually here? blind, so it makes sense when he's not looking. <laughs> 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 okay, you win this Touché. round. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I think this is a very challenging thing to fix, and um, and I, and I'm not sure how to how to fix the Hawkeye issue in in the Avengers. I'm not sure to fix even like understanding that I have an irrational love for the idea of that people can have really great aim uh, and funny arrows. I recognize that it's it it's sort of silly, and mm. uh, but I but I honestly don't know how to fix it unless you introduce another powered person in in here, and then you take over you know some of the the you know um uh, you you I, I think you risk competing with the other powered people that we have in the avengers at this point in time and so i guess if i were to rework this even leaving hawkeye in which i mean i love hawkeye i i'm totally fine if they decide let's leave hawkeye in but at least then give us even more arrows 
like just variety. Like I feel like we don't really I mean there's little variety here. Like we've got the explosive arrow, this thermal arrow, we've got the the one with the little grappling hooks, those cute little grappling hooks uh that uses to kind of like the timed explosive detonator that we have. Uh we've got uh the um let's see he used regular arrows at the very beginning, I suppose. Um those are not as exciting, but when you're thinking of the other ones like um, oh, he's got the data arrow. He's got the one that has the burst shot that has a whole bunch of other things that shoot off of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. plus his, his own his own grappling hook that he'll use later. Like he's got some interesting, fun arrows. But give him even more arrows. Like you know, he's going to use like like when does he start the net? The net is in Ultron, so that'll be his next movie. Um, he's got obviously he'll have the pin particle arrows much later when he's doing the TV show and stuff. Like, I just feel like if you're going to make this guy an Avenger, give him some flippin' cool arrows that really say, oh, this is why he's on the team. He can aim well, he can see well, and he's got a whole array of really fancy, cool things. Like, I just feel like if if that's where we really want to go, give us some really cool arrows with him. Yeah. Going, yeah. I mean, I can I can see it. I, I can see it. I also think that I, I don't know that that necessarily fixes the the challenge because it just introduces more stuff to introduce. And I, I wonder just like like in the fixed the fixed notion and the fixed like time that we have with Hawkeye, you know, are we like how many arrows can can the guy have? Well, I mean, like when you when I see the burst arrow that he shoots in this film, it's like, oh, that was really cool. It's not like I need them to explain it and give us a big setup. And then if we see, oh, he uses a Nero. Oh, wow, that was a cool way to think. Like, I just, I, I think that they just play. It's just a little more interesting to see than just, oh, well, that one just blew that guy up. Oh, that okay. one just blew that guy I, up. I can buy that. More Even the playful. incendiary arrow. I'm like, why did he use that instead of another explosion? I don't care. It looked cool. It's yeah, like, right, right. I just, just to have more of that, I think, would give me more reason to say, oh, okay, this is why he's on the team. Yeah. Okay. More arrows. Yeah. Yeah, Ewan, this is your last uh, last chance to uh, to chat with us for this particular film. Um, when you were you excited when the Avengers came out? Was like this like the big thing? Were you watching all the ones leading up to this? And was this kind of the big culminating event for you? I actually don't really remember seeing this this film in theaters. If I'm being completely honest, uh, and at that time I was probably still watching stuff in a dubbed version because. The way where I where I live, there's really not that many opportunities to go see stuff in the original language. It's usually just in in like German dubbing, and I never really liked that straight from the get go. So I was never as hyped on some of these Marvel films, but I definitely grew up with them. And for me, I think it was one of my entry points because I hadn't seen uh, the first. I had only seen the first Iron Man film and the uh, Hulk film. But then I had to catch up on the other ones before I went to see this one. Um, but it, it it created something. I feel like it definitely was a big shift, a cultural shift for for movies at the time. Something that leads up to something and feels kind of uh, fun, and it's it's not a mess. <laughs> it brings the uh, characters together in a well, uh, in a in a really uh, neat way. I, I I have more memories with like the subsequent movies because I was more in. I uh, had seen all of the films then, um, but this one was one of the first ones I, I saw in theaters, but I don't particularly remember seeing it, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Well, I mean, you know, interestingly, as a, as a uh, film critic, a young film critic at that, uh, the scope of what, like, though, like, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism about, like, what the Marvel films and kind of like this push toward more of this sort of genre sort of stuff has pushed a lot of other sorts of films out of the market. And as somebody who's, I mean, just come back from Khan and explored a lot of the interesting films playing there, I mean, where do you stand on, like, the position for films like this versus Scorsese films and, and other, you know, more, more quote, important fare? Well, these are roller coaster films. Uh, kidding. Um, <laughs> theme park films. Uh, no, I, I don't think that at all. Because uh, what's what's the, the upper limit for a Scorsese movie that he's ever made? Was it like 150, maybe 200 million? Yeah, it's just not not the same type of film. It's it's spectacle movie making that attracts the masses and is sometimes brought down to the most common uh, denominator. And that can feel frustrating as you are a film critic who watches a ton of movies. Then it does, you feel that fatigue as it blends into not just DMCU, but all of these other films. And I think that's, that's my biggest frustration that I have probably with the recent era of, of filmmaking right now. And uh, as we get further into this marble fatigue, uh, no, I wouldn't even say superhero fatigue. It's definitely just to do with, with how Marvel approaches it at the moment, but. I, I feel like uh, to be someone who has something of value to say about film, to call myself a critic, I, I kind of have to be able to see to um, see the enjoyment out of pretty much anything I watch, even if it's not particularly made for me. And uh, especially these early Marvel films, I, I grew up with them, uh, so it's there's just some kind of nostalgia that I got tied to it and i feel like everyone's got that from uh when they grew up when they first got into film so it feels like a a kind of weird tie that uh in recent times people have who've grown up from it have seen a shift towards like you really adore this thing and then you feel too cool for it too old for it uh like you're getting old now this is some silly kid stuff and then they completely antagonize it and i feel like it's it's not dead in the gutter (laughs) Uh, they got lots more to tell, um, but I feel I feel like I, I went into a different direction than what you asked me about, like films, artistic films, and more like blockbuster films. But they should coexist uh, as they ever had, um, ever have, and hopefully will in the future as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a great answer, great response. Well, Ewan, uh, it has been wonderful chatting with you about this movie. Yes. Thank you so much for for coming and joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. Um, it has been a few weeks since people heard about your show. Why don't you remind everybody what it's called and where to find it? Yes, quite on set, everyone. It's time for podcasting <laughs> time. Uh, on the weekly show where we talk about film and TV, I think in this week that uh, this episode comes out, uh, we're about to talk about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, an alternate casting of potential... Wasn't Tom Cruise at one point in talks to play Iron Man? Maybe that's like the, the smallest little tie-over. Uh, but but yeah, I will be talking about that. So swing by if you're interested. Uh, Lachlan, if you've heard him on previous episodes, is my better half, my Australian half from Down Under. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll have the links for that in the show notes. Everybody check that out. Tune into the show. It's a fun one. And uh, that's it for us today. We'll be back with another guest on Monday. Uh, Michael Gravagna will be back. So we'll be back with him next week. So, Pete, thanks as always. Mm-hmm. Next week, Black Widow hails a chituber. 
Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yapo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Yeah. I wrote that one down so I wouldn't forget it. A Chituber is this like the the Chitari version of a YouTuber? No, it's a Chitari Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh no. I just got it. I was like, You got the minute? Yeah. Yeah, and I got it. It takes a second. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's how my humor works. It just takes a second. Sometimes the minute humor takes a second. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, right.